With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Creating a Championship Standard of Living. This is our Super September special, and you know we've been doing three shows uh, per week, and this is one of our special shows. And I'm so thankful to have each and every one of you here tonight. We're going to discuss some really beautiful topics, but we're also going to discuss some some real-life topics. Um, Before I go any further, I submit this experience. I turn this show over to God's Holy Spirit so that we all get what we came for, and that is a move of his spirit. People, again, I'm honored to be here with you tonight, and I don't take this opportunity for granted. Um, just continue to in, to just listen and enjoy what we have for you tonight and get ready for a wonderful show. So I'm going to get, get us started with a inspirational song, and then we'll be right back.
Hello, and we're back. Uh, that was Jay Moss, Work Your Faith. I just wanted to play that. So I want to get everybody uh, in the mode of manifestation of your dreams. you got to use your faith. You're going to have to step out of the boat and do things in an uncommon way. That's why we're doing three shows a week uh, during the month of September, during Super September. We want to get you in the mindset of stepping out the boat and doing something that requires you to use your faith. Your faith is going to take you where you really want to be. It's going to take you to places that, that weren't, that's even possible for my bishop uh, said it like this, that your faith will take you where you've never been before. So continue to step out and work your faith. The life of your dreams is wonderful and you deserve it, but it's going to require that you use your faith to activate it. So I want to take you to a motivational moment and a commercial, and then we'll be right back. Let me tell you today about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a major component, a very vital component to manifesting the life of your dreams. You know I tell you each and every week, as many times as I could possibly say it, that the life of your dreams is wonderful and you deserve it. But unforgiveness will definitely short-circuit any hopes for manifestation. Unforgiveness is like a glue. Unforgiveness is a glue that binds together everything that you don't want. I mean, bad health, pain, grief, misery, everything that you don't want, unforgiveness is the glue that binds it together where it can't even be released. Just think about it like this. Every time somebody makes a mistake, every time somebody drops the ball, every time someone does something that they honestly regret the feeling of oh my god what did I just do can be overwhelming however it's at that very moment that you connect with the provision of the provider the provision of source the provision of God when you forgive sometimes the person that needs forgiveness is yourself I know I personally have made a lot of mistakes over the course of my young life. And I thank God for forgiveness because I have to forgive myself sometimes for some of the things I've done. And instantly, if a person makes a mistake, some people are going to do things maliciously. You can't do anything about that. Some people actually make honest mistakes where they, they're not intending to hurt you. They just made a mistake. And it just, it just is what it is. But we are such wonderful, wonderfully made creatures where we have the capacity to forgive our fellow man. To extend mercy and extend grace towards someone who really, in the truest sense of the form, didn't know what they did. Including yourself sometimes. God forgives us. So it's only fitting that we forgive our fellow man. Take that in consideration as you're moving forward in power and in might of God that God has placed us here to do some dynamite things and that we each are going to need forgiveness each and every one of us forgive yourself and forgive each other as you continue to manifest the life of your dreams remember that the life of your dreams is absolutely wonderful and you deserve it this is Miles Miller saying don't ever give up don't ever quit on your dreams
even our white ministries present. Show me your glory. Atlanta, Atlanta and surrounding areas, come experience the glory and impact ministry Atlanta, where Bishop-elect Ginaldo Lee and co-pastor Tiffany Lee are the host pastors. The glory will fall September 25th at 6 p.m. and September 26th at 7 p.m. Atlanta will never be the same. If you're a pastor and would like Stephen R. White Ministries to bring Show Me Your Glory to your church or city, please call 513-860-9003 or contact us at stephenrwhiteministries.org. Hello, we're back. Uh, people, we, we have wonderful things going on here in the city of Atlanta. Um, but one thing that we have going on right now in the state of Georgia something I really wanted to talk about tonight. It's on, it's on my heart, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention it. And I'm going to talk about this throughout the show tonight. Um, for those of you who may not know, there's a young man whose life hangs in the balance here in the state of Georgia. His name is Troy Davis, and he uh, is facing the death penalty here in the state of Georgia tomorrow at 7 p.m. And he's, he's gone through numerous channels to prove his innocence, and there's reasonable doubt that could really prove that if what he says is true, that the state of Georgia may be getting ready not to execute a man but to murder a man tomorrow at 7 p.m. And there's going to be a lot. I'm going to give out more information throughout the show, but I want you to get in your heart and, and get in your mind to just pray for Troy Davis and his family because they need your prayers. They need everything you could possibly give. I'm going to give you numbers to call to the uh, state of Georgia to call the governor's office because the governor is his last line of defense now. If the governor doesn't okay it, then the state of Georgia is going to go through with this this act. And like I said, it could be an opportunity for us to look at our judicial systems better. You know, it's a possibility that that you know there's some circumstantial evidence going on going around in this case that make it where Troy Davis, who's accused of killing a police officer in Savannah, Georgia, um, may not be the person that they're looking for. And it's, there's reasonable doubt. And where there's reasonable doubt, you can't you can't go and go through an execution. And I just want you to just fill out in your heart, how would you think feel if this was one of your loved ones? How would you feel if this was somebody that you cared about? How would you feel if this was, you know, somebody in your immediate family. And I want you to just keep in your heart to pray and pray for, you know, for justice to be done, for, for God's will to be done in the situation, because this is a, a really intense moment. Uh, this is a really intense moment for, for the state of Georgia, because if they go through with this and he's found later on to not be the killer of this police officer some 20 years ago, um, then the state of Georgia is going to have an innocent man's blood in his hands. We don't want to see that happen. Uh, it happened recently in, a, in another state in Texas, actually, where a man was convicted of a crime that he didn't commit, and after he was executed by lethal injection, information came out later to prove his innocence. We don't want that to happen 
here. We don't want it to be said, oh, you know, he was telling the truth. Let's at least get him clemency to get another trial with the information as it has been represented. This is a man whose life is in the balance. And I'm telling every each and every person out there that can hear my voice, pray for Troy Davis and his family. Pray for God's will to be done. So on that note, people, I want to take you to another motivational moment, and then we'll be right back. So here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to get a, not just a small picture, but a huge picture in your mind. Just imagine yourself sitting at a uh, in a movie theater, an IMAX movie theater, with a huge screen. And I want you to see the full details of your dream life. Now I know a lot of us, a lot of people have lived their nightmares, but this that day is over. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about what your the ideal life, your ideal living situation, your ideal you know standard of living it should be a championship standard of living. <laughs> no pun intended, but. We want to. I want you to, to visualize yourself and visualize yourself looking at the screen. And on the screen is your ideal life, and it's a majestic life. It's on an IMAX screen. It's one of the biggest screens ever made. I want you to see all the details of your ideal life on that screen. I want you to see the vivid colors. I want you to see, you know, details. I want you to see yourself enjoying life. I want you to see yourself loving life. I want you to see yourself happy. I want you to see yourself blessed. I want you to see yourself doing great things on this major screen. Now, as you see yourself doing this stuff, there are people there with you that, that you love. You got friends there. You got loved ones. The setting is beautiful. Everybody's having fun. This is an enjoyable time. Now, what I want you to do is to capture the feeling that you feel as you look at this picture. I want you to hold on to it and fully embrace that feeling. Fully embrace all of those feelings. Because I'm sure by now it, you're, you're, you're feeling a whole bunch of different things when you look at this, this screen and you see your life, you see your dream life on that screen. To understand that that's, that's your imagination, that's your life. And that's how your life can be if you so choose to. So feel it. Embrace it. What does it feel like to, to, to run on a beach with the sun beaming down on your face? What does it feel like to, to swim in the, in the great blue ocean? What does it feel like? I want you to, to fully embrace it. What does it feel like to come home to your, your new wife or come home to your new husband in your brand new car that you don't have to, that's debt free, that you don't have to pay another car note for? What does it feel like? I want you to, to hold on to that feeling. I want you to harness those feelings. Fully embrace those feelings. Fully embrace everything you're feeling. Fully embrace everything you're seeing. Because that's your ideal life. Hello, and we're back. Uh, a motivational moment from one of our previous shows together, and I just wanted to share that with you. You know, we, around here, we, we talk about the life of your dreams. The life of your dreams, which is wonderful, and you deserve it. We talk about it often. I, I repeat it often on this show. I repeat it often, and 
in conversation. I repeat it often. Um, and just my own affirmation, the life of your dreams is absolutely wonderful and you deserve it. And, again, to go back to the, what I mentioned before, the Motivational Moment segment, a, a young man has, has is facing something right now. The life of his dreams could be cut short by something he didn't do. And I want everybody out there who can hear my voice right now to just stop for a second. In fact, we're going to stop right now. We're going to pray right now. And we're going to pray for we're going to pray for, for favor in this situation for, for Troy Brown and his family. We're going to pray that God's will be done. We're going to pray that anybody who can be touched and impacted to make a decision on his behalf, that they'll at least consider making a, a decision on his behalf. Um, and I, I just, I'm, I'm believing in prayer. So we're going to come together right now in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come to you. Come to you today giving you praise, worship, glory, and honor, thanking you that this is the day that you've made. So we are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Father, we, we repent of anything we may have said or done or connected ourselves to that was unlike you. Father, we give you all praise, worship, and glory. Father, thank you for just being with us, that you are a present help in a time of trouble. Father, we come to you tonight on behalf of Tro- the Troy Davis uh, situation and his family. Come, we come, have, come to you on behalf of him, Father, thanking you, Father, that your will is being done in this young man's life, and that your will is being done in his family's life, Father. We we thank you that your kingdom your kingdom now come in his life and the life of his family, and that your will is being done, Father, on this earth as you would have it done in heaven, Father. Thank you, Father, for just touching this situation, that you put putting your hand on this situation for good, not evil, to bring about desirable outcomes for everybody involved, Father. Thank you, Father, for justice being served. Thank you, Father, for for, for people who have who are in position to make decisions in this case, Father, that they are, uh, that, that that you touch their hearts, Father, to see the truth. Father, all we ask is that they see the truth, that they that they respond to the truth, and that they don't get caught up with situations, they don't get caught up with time, but they get caught up with you. Father, let let your spirit pour out on, on anybody who is in position to make a decision on behalf of this young man. Father, thank you just for him to get another shot at life, to give, give another trial. Father, we know that you are God of resurrection, Father, we speak, we bind anything that would come against your will, Father, and we loose your resurrection power, Jesus Christ, into this situation right now, Father. I decree and declare favor on behalf of Troy Davis and his family, Father. I decree and declare favor on behalf of Troy Davis and his family. I decree and declare favor in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. We speak peace and and prosperity in the situation, Father. We know that your will shall be done. Your will is, is done right now. In this situation, Father, we thank you, Father, for just, again, get your hands upon this situation for good, not evil, to bring about desirable outcomes. And, Father, that anybody who's in position, anybody who may hear this prayer, anybody who who understands what it means to be in this situation, who can, can feel what's going on, Father, let them be impacted enough to make a decision. That anybody who, who can make a phone call, make a phone call. Anybody who, who can at least get the truth to those power brokers who, who make decisions, Father. Let the truth be told, Father. Let the truth be told. Save this man's life. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We give you all praise. We give you all worship. We give you all glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. People, I, I, this is near and dear to my heart. I, I'm going to bring our guest on uh, momentarily. Uh, this is near and dear to my heart because I think about it as um, being a, a young black man and being in a state that classically has not been favorable to black men. 
my heart is heavy because it's almost as if, you know, what can we do? Is it even possible? Should we even be concerned about a situation that's going on? No, this is not what we normally talk about on creating a championship standard living. I know it's not what we normally talk about, but this is something that's major because we're talking about the dream of a, a dreamer not being allowed to manifest. We, we know that, and we, in no way do we take anything away from the family that suffered the loss of their, their loved one 20-plus years ago. In no way do we do that. In fact, if anything, we want justice to be served because that's all that anybody would ever want. If it was my son... If it was my daughter, I would want justice to be served. I want the truth to be told. I would want every piece of evidence that was possible presented because we're talking life or death. Because even to be honest with you, I don't particularly agree with the death penalty. That's, that's, my, that's my stance. I don't agree with it because of the fact that our judicial system is flawed and that you could possibly put an innocent person on a permanent trip that they can't come back from. You could possibly ruin a family, which is at that point is no better than what happened to the young man who was murdered 22 years ago. But however, we do know that with today's laws that to kill a police officer, the, the death penalty is almost guaranteed to happen. And in which case, I, I won't argue with that because our law enforcement agents go through so much in a day, and they need to know that they're protected, that, that at least when they put their life on the line, they did not put their life on the line in vain. And with that stated, if a person does kill a police officer, they need to know that this is what you're up against. So before you pull this trigger, before you do anything in any kind of way to, to injure the life of a police officer, or anybody for that matter, know what you're up against. This is what you're up against. You, you run the risk of possibly getting put to sleep by lethal injection yourself. But in this case, there's enough evidence to say that, that the person who got convicted of the crime may not be the person that they have in custody. That the, it may not be the person who's getting ready to make the alternate sacrifice for something that he didn't do. He may have not done. There's enough. There's enough evidence to say that that, that they may have the wrong person. If they have the wrong person, then they're going to commit a murder tomorrow. We don't want to see that happen. We don't want to see that happen. We do not want to see that happen. So I'm asking everybody who can hear my voice, continue to pray, continue to make phone calls. I want to give you a number as soon as I can get the information back up here. I want to give you all a phone number to call. And you basically you want to call this number and, and leave a message just to let the governor of, of Georgia know that we want justice, sir. We don't want it. We don't, you know, we, we're not saying so anybody go for committing a crime, but we're saying give this man another tri trial, another opportunity, because there's evidence now that says that he may not be the person that, that you're looking for. He may not be the person that, that actually did this crime. And it would be a travesty of justice if the wrong person goes and pays his ultimate price for something that he did not do. So I know if it was your son or your daughter, you would want us to, to fight like never before, and, and we're going to continue to do so. We're going to continue to do so. We, you know, it, it's not over. It's not over. This is one thing that we also talk about uh, on my fourth quarter comeback series that, you know, it's not over till it's over. It's not over. And I want everybody to get that in their heart and their spirit. It, this is this is a major deal, and, and you can't be silent on this. You've got you to make a move on this. You have to make a move. You have to make a move. You have to do something. 
you can't sit still on this one. You have to make a move because I, I got the, the the heaviness of this situation on my heart, and it, it, it sunk in when I, I looked at this young man. And although I'm younger than this man, he's about he's the same age as my oldest brother. And it hit me it's like that could easily be my brother. That could easily be one of my cousins. That could easily be somebody I, that that I would greatly miss. And I'm telling you, let's at least let this new evidence be heard because it, it does us no good, and it doesn't even do the family good of the, of the young man who was slain 22 years ago if they put the wrong person, if they if they give lethal injections to the wrong person. So the number to call, you're going to call Governor Nathan Deal, governor of the state of Georgia. You're going to call his office at 404-656-1776. Or at four zero four five six, excuse me, four zero four six five six five six five one, because he has the authority to to say yay or nay to this 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 act, and we want to, we want him to at least allow another trial, at least let the new infor, new information be brought prevalent. So with that in mind, people. Uh, you, you you see where my heart is there. I'm, I'm, this is really this is major league stuff, and we, we have uh, we, you know we have a guest on the line. I want her to thank thank you her for her patience uh, as we wait. But what I want to do is this: I'm going to take you to another inspirational thought. I want to fire you up tonight. We got we, we're going we're going to give you some dynamite information tonight. But I had to talk to you tonight about this situation because as a dreamer, as a visionary, as a go getter, I would be remiss to not mention this. So I want to take you to another inspirational song, and then we'll be right back.
that was um, Survived by Mary Mary. And, again, people, I want to keep reiterating this uh, because this is near and dear to all of us. Again, I just posted on my Facebook page the numbers to call to call Georgia Governor um, Nathan Deal to get him to um, just to let his office know, hey, we still are concerned about Troy Davis. His uh, execution is set for tomorrow at 7 p.m. And like I said, there's enough evidence now uh, from from his murder case to to say that there's reasonable doubt that he may not have done this. And it, we, we do not want Georgia to have the blood of an innocent man on his hands. Um, just give them a call. Let them know, hey, you know, we, we are concerned about this. We don't want Georgia to have an innocent man's blood on his hands. We want – there's enough evidence now where he could have a retrial and possibly be acquitted. So with that in mind, we don't want anybody um, to have to face that that lethal injection and not be the one that deserves it. Because like I said before, I know that with today's laws, the way they're set up, that if a person kills a police officer, that the death penalty is, is warranted. And like I said, even though I don't agree with the death penalty, I also understand that our law enforcement agents put their life on the line every day so that we can be protected, so that we can have you know, order in our, in our communities. And we don't want to take anything from them. But if, if it's the wrong person, then the wrong person shouldn't be held accountable for the, the you know, the grievous act of, of another. So with that in mind, I want you to continue to pray for Troy Davis and his family, and we're going to continue to move forward in the show. I've, um, I have a dynamite guest on the show tonight, and one of my one of my friends, she's um, one impeccable author, one impeccable uh, motivator, one impeccable person. Um, without a shadow of a doubt, without further ado, I want to introduce to you uh, none other than uh, my friend, Mr. DeRay, DeRay Allen. DeRay, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? I'm absolutely phenomenal. It's, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. That's great. I just want to throw in something real quick um, about yes, the Troy, Troy Davis situation. For those of you that are local, um, I actually live in Atlanta as well, but I'm out of town this week. But there is a group that I'm involved with. It is called the STP Movement, and it's a grassroots organization. They're actually having a rally right now. If you are in Atlanta, they're having a rally from 6 o'clock to 830 it's at Woodruff Park, and Woodruff Park is located at 91 Peachtree Street Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30303, and it is one block north of the Five Points MARTA train station. So if you have to walk, drive, ride the train, you can get there. They are going to march from Woodruff Park to the Georgia State Capitol around 7 p.m., so, excuse me, while you are listening, you can be doing something if you are local as well as those of you that, um, like Miles said, want to call um, the, the governor's office. It's very, very important. But, again, that rally that's going on locally is at Woodruff Park, 91 Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta 30303, what's one block north of Five Points Marta train station from they're marching from Woodruff to the state capitol. Oh. And, and what's amazing about this is that um I, I'm I'm happy that people are stepping up. I mean people all over the world have, have put in their 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 approvals to say, hey, you know what? This man may not be the person you're looking for. You know, even people as far as uh Pope Benedict, uh, uh Archbishop Desmond Tutu uh, a former president, Jimmy Carter, many people are, are banding together saying, hey, 
let's 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 look at all the evidence before you do this because this could you know like I said this could be the blood of an innocent man on the hands of the state of Georgia. We don't want to see that happen anymore. Right, right, exactly. And I'm with you, Miles, as far as not really um, being a fan of, um, you know, death by execution in any case. There's just so, so many times that we've gotten it wrong. There's just so many times, um, you know, and we could probably go on and on about that. But, yes, I, I feel like whatever you can do, please do, and all of us can pray. So that's really great that you started it off that way. Yes, ma'am. And um, you know, I, and I don't want to um, put a you know have a downer on this show because we we brought you in here to to, to bring some dynamite <laughs> content as well. Uh, and what I want to do is that you have come up with some great uh, research. You're doing some you're doing a dynamite research project now. You have two books on the horizon off of the, the research you've done based on relationships. And so we're going to talk about relationships for a moment here. Um, Dere, tell the people about your latest project, you, you were telling me about a project that you've done involving um, involving men, and I want you just to share that, a little bit of that with the people. Yes, yes. Um, kind of um, came up with this concept with another person um, about a month or so ago. And basically what we want to do is, it's my cousin and I, um, you know, he's had been having difficulties um, in his marriage. He's actually um, separated. And what he was talking to me about is just this fact that there's just so much negativity when it comes to the black family in America. And, you know, there's so many black men that have families or create families and abandon them. But then there's a whole slew of black men who have families, create families, and want to stay with their families do right by their families or try to do right by them. And there's all these other things that really get in the way. Um, it's not always a situation of the woman. Sometimes it's the, the, the child's mother. Sometimes it could be something going on with the legal system. I mean, there's various different things. Then we've got this society um, and this media culture um, that likes to suppress the black man and anything um, positive that goes on in the black community. Um, so he and I were talking, and um, last month we decided that we we're going to start a, a book project that I'm hoping to finish in 2013. And it actually involves um, all of you who are listening because either you or someone you know um, can relate to these types of situations. Um, where you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage that's failing or has failed and you love your kids to death, you're doing everything you can, you're a single black father, and you just can't seem to get any respect, you just can't seem to get a break, um, you want to be in love, you want to be in a relationship, you want to have a cohesive family unit, but there's just all these issues. And, yes, some of the issues that we have are with ourselves, but there's a lot of things that we need to talk about as black men and black women. We need to talk to each other in a way where we can hear each other out. And so I wrote a blog post a few weeks ago called Let's Hear the Men Out. Let's Hear Men Out because a lot of times um, we as women, I'm speaking um, on behalf of the women right now and as someone who is divorced as well, um, sometimes we women, we just, you know, we talk and we talk and we really want to be heard 
but we don't know how to listen or we don't know how to communicate with each other. And it's not always on the woman, no, but a lot of times the man is made to be the scapegoat. He's made to be the culprit. Um, He's made to feel lesser than, um, even at times when he's excelling. If you think about things like um, the holidays, Mother's Day versus Father's Day, you know, we make a big to-do in our community when it comes to Mother's Day. And um, when it comes to Father's Day, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, big up to the black fathers and there's no, really nothing pressing about it. People just want to talk about how there's so many deadbeat dads. And, yes, that is a problem, but we need to give respect due to those men that are stepping up. Um, I was talking to Miles not too long ago about how it seems to um, not only my cousin but many other um, men that are good fathers that the few men that do mess up ruin it for the rest of the good ones and they ruin that image. Um, you know, there's that saying that, you know, all men are dogs. Well, no, not all men are dogs. Um, so really I just want to, you know, not only do this research for my own enlightenment but also to try to bring our community back together. You know, we talked, my cousin and I talked about how our grandparents stayed together until they died. And when the first one died, the second one died a year later because he couldn't live without her. So, you know, we don't see that a lot anymore where people just stay together forever. It's just not a common thing anymore. You know, whether you're talking about issues of submission, issues of women making more money than men or cheating or whatever the case may be in the relationships and the marriages that we see today, people are just not as committed now as they have been in the past. The commitment isn't there. The attitudes are different. Um, The way that children even talk to their parents and the way it it involves, it, it affects the next generation because the way that we treat each other as men and women, our kids and our nieces and nephews and cousins are looking at that and they're saying, okay, well, this is a model for I have to behave. If she doesn't have to listen to him or he doesn't have to love her, then why should I do any different? Why should I be better? So we, you know, as grown folks, as grown folks, we have to get it together to save our community, to save our people. You know, some people are also talking about marriage. Um, There's been a recent book that's come out about marriage and the declining rates of marriage among blacks. And um, there's a lot of discussion around that. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, black women, you know, stop crying and go ahead and date outside of your race. Well, that may be the solution to some people, but my angle with this project here is keeping the black family unit together. So I'm not saying that it's wrong to date someone that's white or of another race. What I'm saying is what's going on with the black family unit? It's crumbling. We need to figure out a way to stop this. We need to stop this craziness and communicate with each other better, love each other better, be respectful to each other, love each other. You know, that that's what I'm trying to get back to. That's what this project is all about. And the re, you're touching on some dynamite uh, subjects here because actually I, I was talking to a, a friend and a colleague today, and they were talk, They were showing me um, how to put all their business streets because they, they're getting ready to come up with a new project, so I'm not going to, you know, put their uh, project in the streets. But they were showing me uh, an analogy of an iceberg and how – it's not the tip of the iceberg that really causes damage. It's the things underneath the water that you don't see that. You know, the tip of the iceberg is only a small percentage of the total iceberg. 
but it's that, it's that part of the iceberg that's underneath the water that you can't see that really causes the damage. And what Absolutely. we're seeing here now, I, I believe that, you know, our, our families, you know, there's, there's underlying issues that are beneath the surface that we can't necessarily see with our natural eyes that people are running into. Generations after generations keep running into the same iceberg, keep running into the same, you know, problem. What is your project? How does your project help people? You know, how, what, do you, what do you perceive is going to be the thing that people can take from your project to help them move in the right direction, help men, you know, reestablish themselves as the head of the household to, and to put themselves in a position where, you know, they are basically putting to rest the stereotypes. They're putting to rest the things that uh, the media has, has portrayed the black man or just men in general across the board to being. One of the things that I would like to happen, and right now we're we're still actually just recruiting people, you know, I can interview that are willing to submit their stories, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But what I would like to get is I would like to have not only men but women as well, because I know women are going to read the book, men and women, read and have an open mind. Don't have this attitude that when you're reading this book or this project or excerpts that, okay, well, she's not talking about me. He's not talking about me. I think a lot of problems that we have in our community is the of denial and that of self-deception. A lot of times we look at other people and we recognize certain behaviors. We recognize characteristics and personalities and attitudes but we don't recognize those same things in ourselves. And it's either because we don't see them, we really don't see them, or we don't want to see them. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to accept it. We're proud. We're self-deceived. Um, you know, there, there's things that can kind of, you know, get in the way of the perception. I don't think the book is going to want any good if when they're done reading it they're just like oh well you know that stinks for them you know I want you to look at it and say okay am I any of this can can can, can you talk to someone about it and say you know what I just read this you know such about such and such do you see me in any of this can we have an open dialogue about this can we be frank and honest and open with each other about this because I see it all the time where people talk about other people and what is being done to them, and how someone has hurt them, and how, what someone said to them, and it's always about them, them, them. What about you? What about how you contributed? And how can you start to unravel and do some self-reflection on things in your past, things in your present that could be keeping you from having a really loving, close relationship, not only with the opposite sex, but also with family members. What is it that's keeping you from that? It could be the other person, what he or she said, or it could be you too. The self-deception, I just cannot stress enough, self-deception and denial is the enemy. They are the enemies of our growth, our prosperity, our success. As a people, wow, and and I think that what you're saying there, self deception is it. Self deception is 
is a enemy to any type of success, not not even just relationships, but any success. I think that a lot of people, they are, you know, we like to say that situation not as bad as it looks, or that's not that doesn't apply to me, like you were saying before. And when the case really is that we we've just, in many instances, have just you know shut ourselves down to seeing the truth, to seeing ourselves. And I think that, and one thing that I believe, you know. Uh, as I'm uh, talking to you now, I really believe in this project. I really believe this project is going to be something that people need to read, that they need to get their hands on, because a lot of people are also battling self-image issues, which self-image issues, ego, you know, somebody's ego is either one way to the left or one way to the right, in either extreme, it causes an issue, which causes, which opens the door for self-deception. So uh, self-deception is truly an ego issue. So, how much do you think, you know, and just from the research that you've done so far, how much do you think ego plays in um, perpetuating the issues in, in the families that we see now, whether it be, you know, a woman who, who's making more than her husband or a husband who is not handling his responsibility or, you know, the father of a child who, who, who who's blaming the system. In some cases, it is a system. How much, how much do you think ego plays in, you know, perpetuating the issues that we're, that we're even talking about right now? I think that ego can play a big part of it. Um, to me, ego and pride are very closely related. And the way that I see it, sometimes it, you're right, it has to do with someone's self-image and self-esteem. And in order for them to feel better, then they have to do something that may not be the best mode of behavior to either try to overpower someone else or try to command respect instead of earning it. Um, you know, life isn't fair. You know, we all say that, you know, life isn't fair, but we really have to swallow that sometimes. We really do. Life just isn't fair. You know, right. life can be very frustrating at times. Um, you know, things happen sometimes that you don't deserve. Sometimes, there are things that are going to come your way. You're not going to understand why. And I think to yourself, you know what, I'm doing everything right. I'm taking care of my responsibilities. I'm being faithful in these matters and blah, blah, blah. But something is not right. Something is off. I feel like I should give up. I should just quit. I should just go and do things kind of half halfway you know, not, you know, putting my best foot forward because what is the point of me doing all this hard work, doing everything the right way, following the rules, being respectful, being honest, doing what I'm supposed to do as a man or a woman, and not seeing these results? I totally get it. I totally understand. But, and I don't know if this is, I hope I'm not getting too far away from your question about ego, but sometimes that happens to us too. Ego isn't always about someone thinking that they're better than they are. Sometimes people feel like, well, I should be treated differently because I am doing what's right, because I am. But but I don't think that life and I think that God is respecter of persons. Um, you know, we have to decide the way that we want to live our lives and the types of people we want to interact with and I do. I've written about this on my blog many times about toxic relationships. I don't mm -hmm. care if you're dating someone or if the person is one of your parents. You can decide as an adult, you can make these quality decisions 
as to how much time you spend with people that bring you down. You can do that. You know, um, I believe you may be, you're, um, you're familiar with Tyrese's book. Tyrese yes. Gibson, he came out with a book a few months ago, said get out, how to get out of your own way. And he talks about how, you know, your life, your destiny are really going to be determined by the, you know, three to five people that you spend the most time with. And it's so true. I don't care if you're related to them or not. If they are not, if they do not mean you well, if they're not bringing you up, if they're not having a positive influence in your life, if they're not encouraging you, um, then then you've got to either sever ties completely with that person or greatly, grossly limit the amount of time you spend around them and talking to them because it gets into your spirit. So, you know, when it comes to the situation, which we'll talk about, I'll talk, be talking about in the book about having children with someone that you're no longer with, you know, that can get kind of tricky. How do right. I limit my amount of time with that other person? But in any case, whether it's a family member or your, your child's mother or father, it can be done, and it can be done in a respectable way. It doesn't have to be done in a, a rude, crass, dramatic reality TV show type of way. It right. can be done in a, a respectable, you know, cordial way. Um, so I just feel like people, again, they need to examine their own behaviors, and you need to realize and really get it inside of your mind, like in the forefront of your mind, that no matter what you do, you cannot control the way that other people react, respond, or behave. You can't. Some people can't even do it with their own children. You're not going to be able to do it with an adult. You're not. You're not going to be able to control another adult's behavior. All you can do and be responsible for is your own. So we have to make these quality decisions about who we're spending our time with and the amount of time and how um, closely are, are these people casual acquaintances? Are they intimate, close friends? That's up to you to put the boundaries up as to how close you will get to a person or how close even you'll be to, you know, your sibling or your cousin. Well, that's my blood. That's my family. Well, you know, you can keep saying that if you want to, but when it comes to your soul and your spirit, you should be very, very protective of that, and you need to make yourself um, face the music, use those quality, make those quality choices and decisions about how much you're going to do for a person, how much you're going to enable them, how much you're going to put up with them, how much you're going to do for them, and so on. Wow. I think, you know, what you said, even if it's a parent, you know, sometimes people get caught up in, in taking a – I don't want to – well, I'm going to say something like this. Some people's parents are abusive to them. Some people's mm-hmm. parents, they've always been abusive to them, either if not verbally, physically, if not physically, verbally. And with that in mind, a lot of people, a lot of people just have been trained to take abuse. And when they get into relationships, what they really know is abuse. How do you, as a coach now, as a person who, who's overcome a lot of things, how do you get somebody to see their worth and to disconnect from the abuse? You know, that is not something that obviously is going to come quickly. Um, one of the first steps that I would take, if at all possible, 
is something I I just touched on, which is limiting the amount of time with that person. Because you have to be by yourself for a while and get comfortable with yourself, learn yourself, know yourself, to really understand what it is that makes you tick, what it is that has affected you, what it is that you want from your life, the things that make you happy from day to day. I mean, it doesn't just have to be about, okay, what is my life purpose? What are what, what are my goals? What do I want to do for my job? What do I want for a career and so on? But just the everyday simple things that you like that make you happy. Um, if you've ever lived with someone or been married to someone, you know what it's like to go into the bathroom that you share with this person, the home, the bedroom, whatever that you share with this person, and see things arranged in that room in a way that maybe you don't really care for. Maybe one of you is a neat freak and the other person is like a complete slob. Um, Maybe they have a certain habit where they leave the cabinets open in the kitchen and you want them all shut. Maybe one person leaves the lights on, the other person shuts them off every time they walk out of a room. There's all these different idiosyncrasies. You don't know them. If you're used to being with someone all the time or you've had an abusive childhood, you may not really be in touch with what the way you like to live and the things that make you tick and what you want to do, whether it's leaving the cabinets open, not washing the dishes every single night, whatever the case may be, whatever your particular habits are, whatever it is that makes you happy, you may not be very well in touch with that because you've been so engrossed in making sure that you didn't tick off someone else or you stayed out of someone else's way, or there's been things mentally, which is even worse, the mental abuse that's been ingrained in your mind. I absolutely 100% fully advocate therapy. You know, therapy is something that is taboo in the black community. We talk about how, you know, it's for white folks or something or just get a drink. No, 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 no. The alcohol isn't going to make it go away. The smoking weed is not going to make it go away. Um, Sex is not going to make it go away. That pain that you feel will be there whenever that activity is done until you deal with what is going on. And I personally don't have any, you know, I'm not a doctorate. I'm not a psychologist. I don't have those letters behind my name. But I have been a patient. You know, I have had therapists in the past, and they have greatly helped me. I was clinically depressed um, a couple of years back, and I didn't even know it. Um, that I was clinically depressed, and someone pointed it out to me, and that it was true. Um, and talking to someone that's trained in these matters is just so helpful. Yes, you can pray. Yes, you can, can talk to your friends, but you really need an ongoing person to help guide you. And even you may possibly even need prescribed medication. In the cases that we're talking about right now about being abused by your parents and things like that and by other yes. people, yeah. You may need that. It is very possible. It is not wrong to go see a therapist. It is not wrong if you need to go on Prozac. That is not a sign of weakness. It doesn't mean you're less of a man or less of a woman if you do that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, what makes you weak is seeing that you're tired, seeing that you're hurting, seeing that you're having suicidal thoughts and just not doing anything about it. That is what's going to make you weak. You've got to be strong, you know, if you're going to impact your life and if you're going to be a force um, of change with anyone else, especially if you have children. You do not want them to see you like that. You do not want to pass that on to them because they feel everything. 
Right. Right. And just understanding that, you know, I tend to show a little bit. I want because I know you got a couple points that you definitely have to get out uh, as far as again we're going in a great direction. I think you're you're letting people know that it's okay. If you need help, it's okay. There's nothing there's nothing weak about asking for help. Uh, Les Brown says it like this, and I'm going to paraphrase it: that it doesn't show how weak you are to ask for help. And in fact, what it does is show it, it's a sign of, of wanting to preserve your strength. You need you need to if you need help, you need help. If you need to get some meds, you need some meds. It doesn't matter, you know. So, our in our line of work, what we what we're here to do as self help professionals is get you to a place where you can accurately assess what you need. If you if you need this, you need it. Don't you know? Don't be afraid to say I need help when you need help. A lot of times, you know, I can speak as a man myself, being stubborn. Sometimes I don't like asking for help. I believe that you know I can help. In fact, even it was an old myth that even my dad shared with me one time, you know, and he since recanted and, and talked to me and explained how, you know, I should do it, that, you know, as a man, I should handle my own problems. I shouldn't have to ask people for help because that's how he was taught how to be a man. And as a result, there's, I made many mistakes along the course of my life because I didn't ask for help or I tried to take on way too much and sometimes burned out. It affected, I can go as far back as it affected my college career. It has affected relationships. I've not, you know, been able to do certain things, you know, successfully because I didn't ask for help. And what we want you to do is that these 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 projects that are coming forward from from us, they're here to help you. And you and, and there's nothing wrong if you need help. In fact, I can almost guarantee you, no one grew up knowing how to have a perfect relationship. No one grew up mm-hmm. knowing how to how to how to do anything perfectly. You you're you're taught how to do it. And a lot of things, you know, we weren't taught because the people who, who would teach us, they didn't know either. Exactly. So with that in mind, you know, you have people who have gone through the fire now and are helping to help you. So, you know, again, I, just, I want, want to reiterate that point that DeRee just mentioned is that you have to be willing to ask for help. You have to open your heart to it, open your spirit to it because that, that's one reason why we go to church. That's one reason why we listen to motivational speakers because we don't know it all. And you, you definitely are going to require help along your path. You're going to require assistance along your path. So don't reject help. Ask for help. It's just know who to ask for help. You can't ask everybody for help, but you have to know who to ask for help. So, Dari, I want to continue. Um, what are some keys right now for a person who may they, – they really know they need help, but they are afraid to ask, right? Like you're saying, don't be afraid, but – People are afraid sometimes. What would you say? Maybe like two things that you can give somebody right now to encourage them. You know, it's okay to ask for help that you would do to encourage them. One of the things that I would say, if you are concerned about you're you're afraid and you're concerned because of what other people may say, um, names that you would be called, the perception of other people, that's very natural. Um, And it's probably – has to do more with your image of yourself, your perception, than it does theirs. Because, you know, like I was like that too, but I had to get to a place where I said, you know what, I can't help anybody else until I get help. And the shame gradually did go away. The the feelings of, you know, those funny feelings, those awkward feelings went away and I could talk about it. What I would do is I really wouldn't discuss it with anyone. Maybe 
possibly someone like your close best friend perhaps, but I really wouldn't talk to too many people about your ideas of going to see a therapist. If that's what you think you want to do, you know, say a prayer, try to get someone maybe in a confidential manner. Maybe there's someone if you work somewhere and there's an HR program that um, has something, maybe you can confide in them. They keep everything confidential. And you don't have to share it with, you don't have to let everyone know what you're, you know, that you're contemplating seeking professional help. And you can do that and you can, they can help you with some kind of referral service that can help you find someone that you're comfortable with that is, you know, hopefully in your local area and that you can talk to that is affiliated with any insurance or, or what have you, whatever the program is, so that you can find someone to talk to in a confidential and safe atmosphere without feeling judged um, and without worrying about other people's perceptions. Um, you know, like I said, I've been divorced, I've been depressed, I've been a lot of D's, but, um, you know, I, after a while, you know, as you grow and as you heal, you'll start to get over it and you'll care less and less what other people think of that. So when you're starting out, just start with the confidential realms. Um, the second thing that I would say to do is read. Go to the library. It's free. I can't even tell you how many things I learned about myself and how many different, you know, um, avenues of reflection and inspiration I've gotten just from reading uh, different kinds of self-help books that talk about depression that start to kind of help you. They may have Some of these books have exercises that you can go through to try to dig up the root, as Miles mentioned a while back, getting to the root of the problem. Where did this thing start? Did it start in your childhood or did it start when you were an adult? What was the experience that caused it? What are the feelings that manifested? What are the false beliefs that you have? Because sometimes we take things that we have been ingrained in us and we come to a conclusion, and it usually it's not a 2 plus 2 equals 4. It's a 2 plus 1 equals 4, or 2 plus 3 equals 4. So it's a little bit off. So I say if you're going to go to a person, you know, start with someone confidential, maybe at HR if you don't work somewhere, just one or two very, very close people that you know will not judge you, that love you unconditionally, and go to the library, go to the bookstore, read, um, you can contact me, and I can give you some resources as well. Can I, Miles, can I give them my email address if they want to participate in of course, um, of course. the project and everything? Okay. Um, my blog is on WordPress. It is called Darees Insights, which is D-A-R-E-E-S-I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S, DereesInsights.wordpress.com. Also, you can um, reach me by email, info at Daree Allen, that's D-A-R-E-E-A-L-L-E-N dot net, info at DereeAllen.net. I'm on Twitter as Daree Allen. I'm on Facebook as Daree Allen. And what else do I have? I have a YouTube. <laughs> my YouTube um, name, you can go to my uh, publishing page, which is YouTube.com slash Character, and that's spelled with a K, not a C, character, distinction, and you can find me there as well. So you're probably on at least one of those sites. You can find me in any of those places, and you can email me privately if you want to know um, a little bit more about what we've talked about today, and that's no problem. And tell them about uh, character distinctions. Let, let's talk about that that project. What, uh, what, what was the, uh, the motivation behind that, the motivation and encouragement behind that? 
Okay, yes, Character Distinction is my publishing company. Um, when I, I I wrote my first book, which will be published in just a few months from now, you can pre-order it on Amazon. It's called What's Wrong With Me? Um, and that is a book about um, self-image and self-esteem, uh, empowerment, um, and all kinds of things for teenage girls. But um, the per- Character Distinction came about, um, that, which is the publishing co- name that it's under, um, because to have more control over my project. Um, I didn't want to wait forever for my project to come out. Um, I want to be able to hire the people behind the project that will keep its integrity. So if I want a title for a book, if you're a writer or an author, you'll you'll identify with this. Um, when you go through a traditional publishing company, you know, and that's if you can get in, if you can get an agent and all that, um, they decide what your title is. They decide what your cover, your book cover looks like. They decide when it comes out. I think they decide the testimonials that you get or don't get. They decide wow. any kind of marketing that will will or will not be done, um, wow. and so forth. Um, they decide when it will come out, which is usually two or two to three years from when they accept your project. And I'm not even covering everything, but those are like the things that are right at the top of my head. They decide wow. all those things. They decide them. When you write your manuscript, they decide what stays in and what goes. I think you have a little bit of say, but not much. They have all the editors. They have all the creative design people. Um, So it's really, even though it's your baby and your book, it's all about them because they have to recoup their investment. With you, um, you know, being self, there are lots of self-publishing companies, um, also sometimes known as print-on-demand companies, also sometimes known as vanity presses that will do something very similar, but you have a little bit more control because you can decide, okay, I like this, I don't like that. But there's still a lot of variation in the quality of the book once it's produced. And after talking to so many different people that it's self-published, I said, you know what, I don't really want to go through all that background work. I mean, it's so hard to get the book that's inside of you to come out, that once you've gotten it out, you don't want to, you know, necessarily be worried about marketing and business things. You just want to write. But I had to step aside and take that hat off and put on another hat and say, you know what, I am going to be a businesswoman. I am going to be an entrepreneur. I am going to be a publisher. I'm an independent publisher. And that means that I get to select all those things that I just mentioned. Um, I hired my graphic designers, I hired my editors, my proofreaders, my project manager, everything that has to do with this book. If I didn't do it, I hired the person that is doing it. Um, I secure my own ISBN numbers, barcodes, you name it. You know, I selected it. And I decide when the book comes out, I decide what it looks like. I decide what's going to be said about it. <laughs> I decide how it gets distributed. So, um it sounds like I, 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 like I'm a control freak, but when you have a book and you've, especially when you're like me and you've never written a book before and it's so intensely personal, you don't want just anybody telling you what it should look like and what should be in it. I mean, you want to produce a quality book. You want to have it edited. You want it to look professional. But when you see my book cover, um, which I think is shown um, – it's shown on um, on Amazon. There's a pre-ordering page up. When you look at my book cover, it doesn't look like something that was just slapped together. 
Um, I know my I know I know my lane, and my lane is not in design. So I would never try to. When you say self-publish, it kind of just gives this connotation that you're doing everything yourself. In a way, you are, but in a way, you're not. So I stay in my lane, which is the writing, the speaking, the things that I know that I do very well, and I choose talented people in other areas to help me with those other areas. So I no longer feel anguish about you know, the way something will come out, the way something will look, you know. And you also need to have people, really good colleagues and friends in your corner that either are in the same boat with you or that have been where you're going and that can support you and appreciate you. Like, Miles is the obvious person that I'm thinking of right now because I'm talking to him. But, you know, he's an author, too. He's been speaking for a long time. You know, he's been doing things that I want to do. You know, I'm doing some things he wants to do. So because we're of like mind, it makes sense that we would network with each other and that we would learn from each other. But, um, you know, my advice for writers is, you know, you can absolutely get picked up by an agent and be published and just, you know, go global. And I hope that you do. But, if you don't want to wait, if you want to have a little more control over your product, you know, your project, your baby, then you can do the things that I've been doing all this year. And it's really, really hard work. Sometimes I'm up really, really late. Sometimes I do get a little bit stressed. Sometimes I cry. But when this book comes out, it's all going to be worth it because I'll be able to hold it in my hand and I'll be able to go and speak to you at schools and different places, and I'll be able to be proud of what it is that I have and what I'm offering to you. I will feel confident that not only is it a quality product, but but that it's going to change the lives of girls and even of of their parents even. You know, it's going to change lives for the better. It's going to make people think about the way that they act, about the way that they think, and that it's almost like a tongue twister. Think about the way that you think. But we really do need to do that. We really need to reflect. If you're an adult, reflect back on your teen years because, again, this could be, you know, there could be something there that's causing issues that you're having right now. And I can tell you, some of the women, Miles, that have read my book to, you know, offer testimonials and, and, and support me and partner with me, they've read the book and they're like, oh, my gosh, Doree, I wish I had had this book when I was growing up. I wish that I wow. had something just like this to kind of mentor me and help me understand why I feel the way I feel and why I do the things that I do. I said, well, that's why I wrote it, because I wanted a book like that, too. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's like if you don't have something, sometimes when we don't have something in life or when we see a void somewhere, that means that it's up to us to fill it. Right. I totally, sometimes, totally agree with you Sometimes that. that's what it means. Yeah. I totally agree with you on that. I think that, um, again, what we're doing as self-help professionals and personal uh, development experts is to help people fill those voids. And I think that your project wouldn't be necessary if it wasn't a need for it. There's a need for it. There there are little girls out there right now who are struggling with self-identity issues, as we discussed earlier. Um, Self-identity is important. And you know, projects like yours are going to, I believe in my heart, are going to really empower uh, not only little girls, but I think if you, anybody who's, who's reading the book, you can, there's principles. I believe that success, if you do anything successfully, it's going to leave a blueprint. You're going to leave marks. You're going to leave a trail. You're going to leave something that a person can come back and, you know, really follow. So I'm thankful for you for having a wherewithal to step up and actually do this project and to, and to 
you know, continue forward with, you know, your desire to see people people's lives change. That at the end of the day, you can't you you, you can't shortchange that. I, I'm so I'm proud of you because I know some of the challenges that you face and you you've been stepping through them. So you know, continue to do that because there's people out there that need to hear your voice. Yes, and if you want to participate in the in the next book, which is what we um, discussed a moment ago with black men, uh, single black fathers. Um, I'm looking for men, single black men, black fathers who are ages 30 and up. I want to talk to you about your experiences, even if you've recently remarried, but you've been a single father for a while in the past. Um, you know, what you've learned from it, what you're going through, the different challenges that you have as a single black father that people really don't talk about. We always talk about single black mothers, and I'm one, so I don't. I absolutely do not um, downplay it at all. But we never hardly hear about black single fathers. So if you are one and you want to participate in this new project, I'm, I'm not. I, I think I have a name for it. I'm not going to say it right now. But if you want to participate, you may email me again at info at dereallen.net, and I will get you more information on how we can connect. You know, I can interview interview you at your convenience. We will not use your real name in the book. Um, you're, so you will, everything will be confidential. It will just be what you want to share. I won't grill you. I won't put you on blast. I promise. And I, I'm, again, I'm so thankful for, for what you're doing, Doree, because, like I said, there's some things out there, the people out there who, who need to hear what you are discussing in this book. There's some things that are, some underlying things that are, a lot of people are dealing with right now that, they need, they need this project. They need this project, and I, I'm so thankful that you, you, you know, you're bringing both of these projects to, to life now because it's, it's, it's for such a time now. People need what you have to say now. The reason we're running uh, short on time here in the show, what I want to do is this. Um, I was looking on your page, and uh, again, we're going to go back and touch this uh, Troy Davis situation one more time before we get out of here. Yeah. Um, I, looking at your page, and I just actually forward some of the information to my Facebook page as well, my Facebook wall, about a uh, uh, petition to, to get uh, Governor uh, Deal here in Georgia to uh, pull back the death warrant on um, Troy Davis. Could you talk more about that for one sec? Yes, yes. Do you want me to reiterate what I said before or just talk about yes, it a little yes. bit? Just tell, tell people about, about the petition. Yes, um, we, there is a rally going on right now. Um, I am Troy Davis. Um, you know, I believe that there were at least seven of the nine people um, whose testimony were used in this original case that have recanted and said, um, you know, we were coerced into this testimony. It's not true. He's innocent. And there's a rally going on as we speak um, in Atlanta. Um, it is at Woodruff Park, 91 Peachtree Street. Atlanta, Georgia, 30303. It's going on from 6 to 8.30 tonight. Um, I am Troy Davis. It's sponsored by the FTP movement, um, Malcolm X Grassroots Movement, um, Zulu Nation, Nation of Islam, the new Black Panther Party, many, many um, groups coming together tonight. Um, it's one block north of the Five Points MARTA train station. Um, I'll give you a couple of phone numbers um, if you want to contact someone. Um, the local number is 404-981-2797. 
And there's another number, 310-818-3309. And you can get in touch with someone to find out what you can do. This man is scheduled to be executed tomorrow. Um, and as Miles said, um, there's just a lot of evidence that's just not um, – it, 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 there's a lot of reasonable doubt there. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't add up. Um, and so we want to do whatever we can to try to stop this from happening, and it can. Um, so, again, that's at Woodruff Park in Atlanta, 91 Peachtree Street Northeast. They are marching from Woodruff Park to the Georgia State Capitol. Um, so that's what's going on right now. Um so if you can participate, please do. If you can call Governor Deal um, and, and make it known, um, you know, where you stand, that would be great also. Um, there's there's many other um, organizations pulling into, I think, change.org has petitions. There's a couple of different sites that um, I know have petitions going on, going around. Um, so whatever you can, if nothing else, you can just Google Troy Davis and a, a bunch of stuff should pop up for you. And under we uh, again we, we thank you for for the information we thank you for for coming out tonight and uh, we're going to continue to support what you're doing because like I said what you're doing is some gr- you're doing some great things for a lot of people who who wouldn't get this help any other way so I'm I'm appreciative of of you taking your time to um to be to be out here tonight and, and to share with people your heart what's in your heart and I, I so appreciate you for that. Well, thank you, Miles. Thank you for having me. Oh no 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 problem and you uh, you know the red carpet is already rolled out for you so you no no need to uh, <laughs> even know, even worry about it. <laughs> yes yes yes. Miles is gonna. I forgot to mention this. Miles is the very first time I talked to Miles about this book um, on behalf of Black Single Dads. Um, you know he's not a single dad. He's not a dad, but he immediately said, you know what, I'm on it. I want to write your forward. I want to participate, whatever I can do. I think he's going to probably, like, open up for me on stage. I don't know. He's probably going to do everything, but <laughs> but it's great. I didn't have to talk that long to, to get him in there. So, you know, again, if you're affiliated with, with Miles or anything that he's doing, if you want to participate in any way, it's not just single dads that I want to interview. I also want to get contributions from writers and speakers who are passionate on this subject, um, you know, black men everywhere. You know, there are a lot of educated black, young black men, you know, a lot of smart young black men that write, that speak, that, um, you know, they keep their pants up, you know, to their waist. They actually are, you know, intelligent. They're not deadbeats. They're not what the media and society likes to think black men are. And, you know, if you want to contribute in some way but you're not a single dad, you know, you can contact me as well, info at net. Well, Daria, again, we thank you, and uh, we look forward to having you back on the show real, real soon. Okay, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Uh, likewise. Again, people, that was uh, Daria Allen, a dynamite author, dynamite person, someone that is good to know. Uh, as for um, more information about Daria, you can contact her at uh, com, I believe. Uh, what we're going to do later, I'm going to actually put her links on the um, – on the re- on for the replay, so you can actually uh, get her information from the uh, podcast itself. Uh, but before we go, we got about seven minutes left in the show. I'm not going to take all seven minutes. I want to do this again. I want to again say this: 
we we've uh, we've had a moment of prayer for the for Troy Davis and his family. And what I want to do is I want everybody just to take a moment of silence, just a silence of 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 just belief that something. We're gonna take sixty seconds um, and just be silent for in in standing in belief for something to move on behalf of Troy Davis. So we're gonna, we're gonna take a, a sixty sixty second moment of silence uh, now, and we're gonna just believe together that something dynamite can happen. And we're back. People, again, continue to to look at follow my Facebook page, follow the links, sign the petition, uh, continue to make phone calls. I've been giving information now that the phones are not they're not answering the phones. You're not able to leave messages, but just keep calling anyway. Just you know, we're going to call them and let them know this is important. This is not something that we're going to just sit down and be idle. And we're going to we're speaking our voices now. So with that in mind, people. You know how we do it right here. I tell you this every every day. The life of your dreams is absolutely wonderful, and you deserve it. Not only that, I always tell you this. My motto, my mantra, my mantra, my motto, don't ever give up. Don't ever quit on your dreams. People, continue to pour your support for uh, Troy Davis. A, a dream is is in the laying in the balance of being cut short before it's had a time, had the chance to manifest. And we, we as dreamers, visionaries, and go-getters, we have a, a right and have a duty to to let our voices be heard at such a time as now. So I'm going to sign off now. I want to um, take you out with a, a dynamite commercial for a dynamite uh, event that's coming up here in Atlanta. Uh, it's called Show Me Your Glory Conference. I'm going to actually be uh, in attendance. Um, it's just a dynamite event uh, for, for anybody who wants more information. You can give me a call at my office at 770-674-8350. And I will see you on Thursday. Don't ever give up. Don't ever quit on your dreams. Stephen R. White Ministries presents Show Me Your Glory. Atlanta. Atlanta and surrounding areas. Come experience the glory and impact ministry Atlanta where Bishop-elect Ginaldo Lee and co-pastor Tiffany Lee are the host pastors. The glory will fall September 25th at 6 p.m. and September 26th at 7 p.m. Atlanta will never be the same. If you're a pastor and would like Stephen R. White Ministries to bring Show Me Your Glory to your church or city, please call 513 513- 860-9003 or contact us at stephenrwhiteministries.org Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.